you personally and then you kind of siphon all of that material and you go back with all of that material and you start making a secondary a shadow movie a model movie that based on all of that material that's interesting to you but in order to do that you have to ignore a lot of other things what's astonishing to me is how deep people go. There's an entire interpretation about the moon landing. The carpeting on the floor during the famous Danny scene where he stands up with his Apollo 11 shirt, uh, the patterns in the carpeting uh, exactly match Launchpad 39A. Um, you know, even the driveway and everything. And if you notice in that shot, the pattern on the rug changes when Danny stands up. One of the reasons I wanted to go back to The Shining is like, wait a minute, does the pattern on the rug really change? It really does. <laughs> so, you know, when I see something like that in a movie, my default position is usually that's just a mistake. That's right, a don't you just think continuity mistake? Exactly. That's a blooper. That's something that's going to show up on one of those internet websites. I don't then therefore decide that it's a portal into an entire world of meaning. Well, one of the things that I think is so interesting about listening to these different interpretations is my take on it was, well, this is kind of weird, like a weirdly twisted version of what we all learn to do in college English classes, right? <laughs> yes. You're taught to read novels deeply and to look for images and symbols and to think about linking those up. Nobody ever suggested that the novelist did it on purpose. In some cases, novelists, of course, are conscious of the way they're using symbols and images, but the assumption always is that there's a great deal that we do when we're creating something imaginary that we're not fully aware of, and that's the delight of interpretation. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think of that in terms of this film? I think this is a taking the intentionality to a point of madness almost. <laughs> no, I don't mean madness like... I mean it in a kind of, in a very playful way. There's nothing bad really about these interpretations. I think they're faulty. I think they're kind of silly at times. I think they're foolish. No harm was done. It's fine. What I think it's interesting is movies teach us how to watch them to a certain extent. There are all sorts of ways in which they cheat time and space. And we learn just by watching movies how to read them through editing, for instance. A lot of movies won't show you someone walking up to a door opening the door, walking through the door, closing the door. You'll just have a cut from someone in the hallway to suddenly they're in the room. And what we do is that we understand that that person has gone through the door. Mm -hmm. Movies, they cheat that because they only often have two hours, if we're lucky, <laughs> mm -hmm. to make their meaning. So they're compressing time and space. So there's a lot of cheating, and we learn how to do that. What's interesting is that for some viewers... It's not enough what the movie is telling us. And I think that that's really important. The movies tell us a lot of things. There's a lot happening on screen. And I think one of the problems with just mainstream criticism often is that we're not looking at what is there, the visible evidence, as it were. We're not just paying attention to what's on screen. We're looking kind of casually at the movies and then just running off. And some of this is understandable. I mean, most movie critics are still just watching a movie, let's say, just once. You know, unlike these fans in Room 237, you know, when I review a movie, I'm usually going to a screening room, I watch the movie once, and then I have to go home and I have to create my mental model of the movie. I have to summon it up, look at my little chicken scratch notes mm -hmm. and try to remember what in the world was I writing in the dark, and imagine it. But I'm trying to understand what I saw. 
I'm trying not to take these great imaginative leaps because I think that we do a disservice sometimes to the movie. And so while I find these interpretations amusing, I think particularly because I am a movie critic, I also find myself frustrated when I see other people doing that when they're writing about a movie, what this movie really is about, quotations around really is about. We saw that recently with Gone Girl, people not just looking at Gone Girl as for what it is, but saying what it really is about. And on the other hand, there's something kind of beautiful about the way these fans, the attention that they bring to the smallest details and the smallest images in the film. One of these fans is ABC News correspondent Bill Blakemore, and he reads The Shining as mainly about the Native American genocide. And one of his big pieces of evidence is that there's a Calumet baking powder can. And I think my visual imagination looked at the Calumet baking powder can, the one right behind Halloran's head when he's talking to Danny. 